Lord. Well, we have, uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the word the Lord gave us for uh, 2020, and that is, um, the Lord has said that, um, what I heard the Lord say was that he's, that 2020 will be a year of clarity. It's going to be a year when we start seeing things from God's perspective. And one of the things that we have to see before, even before we can get into the blessings and different things like that is we have to learn to see ourselves the way God sees us. Um, let me ask you this question. I, I just, as I was praying last night and I even got up again this morning and I just saw this, so we'll just, we'll just let this, let this play out like I saw it in the spirit. But, but, uh, but let me ask you a question. When, <clears throat> when God sees you, what do you think he sees? Y'all just, what, what, if somebody were to ask you, and, and I'm looking for answers here, so, and no right or wrong answer, I mean, just, you know, I won't correct you if you're wrong, but if someone were to ask you, how does God see you, what would you say? Say that again? The best in you, yep. Sees you in Jesus, yep, definitely. Anybody else? His precious daughter. Sees you as you are. Forgiven. The white robe. In other words, righteous. Amen. Amen. How else? How about full of strength? Yes. Full of power? Full of authority? Right? Now let me ask you another question. When you look in the mirror, how do you see you? A mess. A mess? <laughs> Guess what? God doesn't see you as a mess. Now, hey, we all look in the mirror and say... Boy, you messed up. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, you're you're in a mess right now. I mean, we've all said that and been there, done that, right? But but the key is here's here's what here's the point I'm trying to make. If we if we're going to have a year of clar- clarity, here's here's the way we have to see ourselves. When we look in the mirror, we have to see ourselves the way God sees us. Because if we don't see ourselves the way God sees us, then we'll never act like who we really are. In other words, if we see ourselves as defeated, then we'll never be victorious. If we see ourselves as just old sinners who just sin all the time, then guess what you're going to do? You're going to sin all the time. If you see yourself... Well, and even and I'll even say that. If you see yourself as a mess, then what's going to happen? Your life is going to be a mess. But what we have to do is we have to start asking and start looking at this saying, but how does God see me? Because the way God sees me is how I truly am. Somebody said that, somebody said that God sees us as we are, the real you. And really that is true. God sees you as He made you. He, now one thing, and this is an amazing thought. I don't know, I don't know if you've ever really run this thought process out in your head, but, but when God sees us, when God, when God looks and looks at you and looks at me, one thing that He never sees is our mistakes. When we become a Christian, and, and we've looked at that, when, we, when, we've asked, when we've asked God into our heart and we become a new creation, you know, when God sees us, He sees us as perfect. You want to know why? Because what God sees is the Spirit, the spiritual us. He doesn't look at your flesh and say, boy, they're messed up. You know, man, they mess up all the time. They, that person, boy, that guy or that girl, man, they never can get it right. That's not the way God sees us. When He sees us, 
he sees us, he sees because God is a spirit, right? And you and I, and see, this is, this is where we get messed up. You and I are first and foremost, we are spirit beings. We have, we have a soul, a mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. But, but we are first and foremost, we are more spirit than we are anything. The problem is, we see ourselves as more flesh than anything. We, we discount the spirit. We, when, we, when we see ourselves, we don't think about the spiritual side. We just see the flesh side. But when God looks at us, he looks, He's looking at the spiritual. Why? Because the spirit, your spirit is what's going to live forever. One day, whether Jesus comes back or the end of the world or, or however that looks, this body, this, this flesh and blood body will be done away with. And when, even, even for, for those that are, that are born again and that, that are going to live with Jesus forever, it won't be in this flesh and blood body. It'll be in a spiritual body. It'll be in a heavenly body. Right? So see, so this, this, the house that we're living in is only temporary. The spirit, the real you, is forever. Your spirit man will live forever, whether with God or, or separated from Him. So when God sees us, He doesn't see the natural, the, 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 the carnal us. He doesn't see the outside. He sees the real us. Just like Billy said, I mean, he sees the real you. He, he sees the real you. Not, not just who we think we are. He sees in our spirit man. And the awesome thing is when he sees us, he sees us in Christ, which means he sees us just like Jesus. Because when Jesus died on the cross, when he died, when he, when he was crucified, buried, risen again, the Bible tells us, and we've been looking at this the last few weeks, that we are now in him. And if we're in Him, that means when God sees us, He sees us just like He sees His Son. That's an incredible thought. That's an incredible, incredible thing. But now the question is, here's the question. How do we start, how do we start getting from just being able to look in a mirror and seeing, you know, seeing what the Word says about us, how do we translate that into our everyday life? Now, we've looked at some scriptures, we won't take the time today to go back over them, but James chapter 1, verse 23 and 24, that's the scripture where it says that we, that, you know, the, the one that looks in the mirror and, and goes his way and forgets, and is just a hearer of the word and not a doer, says he'll go his way and he'll forget what manner of man he is. But he that does the word, he says that he, that he sees himself and he goes out and when he obeys the word and does the word, then he, he starts to become what he sees in the mirror. 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that we, that we behold in the face of the mirror. We behold in that mirror and we start becoming more like Jesus every day. See, that's our goal. Our goal is to be more and more like Jesus. So how do we do that? 2 Corinthians 5.17, we saw that last week, tells us that we are a new creation, right? That we are born again. When we get born again, the Bible says the old, the old is passed away. Behold, all things become new. We spent some time looking at that verse last week and breaking it down and, and talking about what it means to be a new creation. So, so here is my thing. Uh, here's what I want to talk about today. We talked about, you know, uh, last week or two weeks ago maybe, uh, maybe last week, we talked about, uh, you know, me in Christ and Christ in me. 
And with that mindset, just thinking everything we do, every every situation that we come across, and every um, every every moment of our life, to have this thought: Christ is living in me. I'm in Christ, and He's in me. And if we if we renew our mind to that to that mindset, then all of a sudden everything changes. I mean, we're no longer helpless. We're no longer uh, defeated. We're no longer just an old sinner. We're no longer, you know, just uh, overcome with everything. But why? Because now Christ is living on the inside of me. You know, Brother Hagen, I, I looked. I, I thought I had some of those books, but I must have given them all out. One of the, probably one of the, the probably the second book that he did that that impacted my life. Probably the first, the the most popular book that he did for me. Uh, that Brother Hagen wrote because I went to Brother Hagen's school and and just learned so much from him um, as far as the spiritual side of things go um, in my Christian walk was the believer's authority that book just changed my life understanding the authority of the believer but probably the second second or third book that that made the biggest impact in my life <clears throat> was his little book called In Him and and it was just it was just a little mini book but it it talked about the realities of what it meant to understand that, that Christ is in me and I'm in Christ. And in that little book, there was over, uh, in the back of that book, there was over 130 scriptures. Actually, there was close to 200 scriptures because I typed it out for you. And I typed this up last night. And, uh, and, but, but, he, but Brother Hagin mentions that there's over 130 references in the New Testament with the, with the uh, scriptures with the term in Him, in whom, in Christ, you know, in, in some context of those, those words. So in other words, when you read the Scripture, you can find those Scriptures. If you want to find out who you are, if you want to look in the mirror, if you want to, you know, because I had somebody ask me last week, well, Pastor, when you open the Word, what are you looking for? You know, I mean, what, I mean how do you, you know, what, what are you looking for there? Well, here's what you're looking for. When you open the Word, when I open the Word and when, I, when I'm spending time studying the Word, one of the things I want to find out is who I am. I want to find out who I am. I want to find out what I have. And I want to find out what I can do. Right? You know, uh, John Osteen had that, that saying that he would open up every service with, and I think Joel still does it. But, you know, he'd hold up his Bible and say, this is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Well, you have to open the Word and you have to find out who you are. Well, how do you do that? Well, when the Bible says that now that we're a new creation, that we're in Christ, then here's what that means. Then you can find every reference. When you find a reference that says in Christ, like like if you look on your handout, um, in, in this reference it says like, there's, there's some, the, the terms are highlighted. When you find something that says in Christ or in Him, in whom, in His name, by Christ, by Him, through Christ, with Christ, with Him, when you find all of these references, you can look at that and say, that's who I am. That's what I can do. Because I'm in Christ. And if I'm in Him, and this Scripture is telling me what happens when I'm in Christ, then that tells me who I am, and that tells me what I can do. Now, and you might say, well, that would take a long time to study out. Well, I did the work for you. Right? So I copied this. This is actually just a copy from Brother Hagin's book. And I counted these up this morning. I think it's there's over 200 Scripture references on this page. You could take one, you could take one reference a day in 2020. You could just take the first reference, 
and just read that Scripture and meditate on it for a whole day. And man, if you did that for 200 days, and, and the Scripture's down at the bottom, it says that they don't specifically use the phrase in Him or in whom, but they convey the message of who you are and what you have. So you could take, you know, these, there's over 200 references. You could take one of these every day and just meditate on it. And by, by the end of 200 days, you would have a pretty good picture of who you are, who you are, what you have, and what you should be able to do. In other words, you would see yourself as that big line there, even though you look like that little kitty cat in the natural. Amen. So what I did, so, so I was just going to, I was going to recommend that you just do it yourself, but the Lord told me, He said, no, some of them are lazy, and some of them won't do it. He said, so you do it for them, and that way there won't be no excuse. So guess what? You don't have any excuse. I took the excuse away from you. Okay? So, so you take this, you take this, this year, and you, you look at these scriptures and you study them and you say, what does it mean? What does it mean for me to be in Christ? You look at every one of those scriptures. As a matter of fact, this morning, I, I, we'll look at just a couple of them, okay? We're going to look at some in Him realities. What does it mean? What is, what is, what does it mean to be in Him? So the first thing it means is this, that we're a new creature. Now we read, let's, let's just open up back up to 2 Corinthians. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And let's just start here. And I'm going to show you, I'm going to, I'm, probably what I'll do today, I'm going to reference this kind of like, uh, kind of like if I were, if I were studying or if I'm, if I'm, if I'm at home studying and I want to, I want to look at these scriptures, how I would do it. Okay, and I want you to be able to. I want you to be able to see at the end of the day. You know, I want you to be able to go home and look at these things and say, say this is how this is how I can look at the word and dissect the word and 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 see who I am in Christ. So, Second Corinthians five seventeen says this. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. So, notice what he said. Now, we looked at this last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But he says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, and we saw that that, that original language meant that he was saying that since, since you are in Christ, here's what, here's what that means. That you are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So the first thing that you have to realize is this. Since you are in Christ, you are a brand new creation. Now you can open up the Scripture. I, I, I thought I had my my scripture book here with me. I don't see it. Uh, but you can open up that scripture and you can look at different translations of that, okay? One translation says it this way. One translation says you become a new creation that never never before existed. In other words, he didn't just he didn't just come in and do a little overhaul. He made you brand new. You are since you are in Christ right now as you're sitting there, you are a brand new creation. Now, to go right along with that, look at Galatians chapter 6. You can cross-reference that. Like, a lot of times if I'm looking up, I'll, I'll maybe come across a scripture like that, and I'll look up that word, the word where it says you're a new creature, you're a new creation. I'll look that word up and see where else it's used. And, and it cross-references to Galatians chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14 and 15 and Paul said this, this was Paul at the end of his book to the, to the Galatian church, to the church at Galatia. He said this, he, Paul said, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. 
For in Christ Jesus, there that, there that term is, in Christ. So notice what Paul said. He said, Paul said, now listen, he said in verse 14, he said, he said, God forbid that I should glory. In other words, if anybody had the right to boast a little bit, it would be Paul. I mean, Paul did some incredible things. You know, he was, of course, we know he was Saul to begin with, and he persecuted the church. God knocked him off his donkey, and he got born again, got saved, and, and, and then he, he went from persecuting the church to planting churches, and, and, and just with a radical, uh, a radical salvation, and, 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 and he went from persecuting and killing Christians to getting people born again and, and starting churches all across, um, all across that region. So Paul said, listen, he said, God forbid that I, he said, I don't want to boast about anything except I want to boast about what the cross did. And he said, here's what the cross did. Notice he said, he said, but I'll, he said, he said, I, God forbid that I should glory or boast only in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Now the Amplified, if you, I, I've got my Bible uh, that I use as a King James and Amplified. So I've got, an, you know, they're side by side. I've got one column's of King James and one column's of Amplified. I love the Amplified Bible. It's, I mean, you know, it amplifies everything. It's just like the word said. Uh, it does get wordy at times. It uses a lot of words, but, but it really brings things out. I also, I also love the Message Bible. I love the New Living Translation, the Living Bible. Uh, Brother Lewis read out the Living Bible today. Um, a couple of new translations that, 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 are, that are out now that I really like is the Passion Translation, uh, the Mirror Bible is, is an incredible. Now, some of those I understand aren't, aren't perfect translations. In other words, they're paraphrases like the Message, the Mirror, even the Passion. Um, a lot of those, they can turn into paraphrases, which just, which just mean that, that, uh, that it, somebody is just saying, here's, here's what I believe that Scripture says. And, but most of these Bibles, you know, like the Passion, the, the Mirror Bible, these guys that did that, they're, they're doing it from a very, from a very biblical background and they're studying the, the, the original language. Um, they're not a perfect translation, they're, therefore some of them will be called paraphrases or even just a trans, or, you know, they, they won't all be called a translation because a translation just means that it's a perfect translation word for word from, from the original into a different language. So some of them aren't perfect translations, and a lot of people will say, you know, oh, well, they're, they take words out of context and stuff. I, kind of, I, I like to read things that I can understand. And so I, I take those different scriptures and those different Bibles, and I'll read it out of five or six or maybe even eight translations at a time, looking for, for one that speaks to me, and I make sure that it lines up with the other ones. If one of them some crazy oddball thing that goes totally different than, than five other ones that I'm looking at, I, I just kind of discount that. And I'm like, well, okay, that one's not a, that's not a perfect uh, what I'm looking for because I wanted to make sure that, that it does say what the Bible says. Y'all understand that? So, so when I look at the different translations, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be only one translation. There's, there's people that say, oh, it's only King James or only this or only that. Well, I think they're missing out on a lot. I think that they, you know, different people can translate things and, and see it in a different light. So, uh, so I do use different translations. So I've got the King James and Amplified in my Bible, and then I use those other. I've got a Bible program, and uh, that's got all these translations on it on the internet now. You can you can find uh, websites that's got you know thirty, forty, fifty different Bibles on it that you can find all kinds of different good translations of. So, so and you guys know that. You know that I read from a lot of different translations. But notice here in the Amplified, in verse 14, 
He says, But far be it from me to glory in anything or anyone except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So Paul said, because of what Jesus did for me, he said the world or the world's ways... What the, what the world offered him before, he said, it is now crucified. In other words, he said, it is dead to me. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, I consider the, my old life, my old way of living, he said, I consider it dead. And he says, and he says uh, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So what Paul was saying there was that he said, because of the cross... Now he is a brand new creation. And as a matter of fact, he goes on in verse 15 to say that. Because here's why he can make that statement. Verse 15. He says, For neither is circumcision now of any importance, nor uncircumcision. Because if you remember, one of, the, one of the key sticking points in Paul's, in many of Paul's writings, was the fact of circumcision. And he talked about circumcision a lot. Because we know this, the old, in the Old Covenant... All the way back to Abraham, the sign of the covenant, all the way back to Abraham, was circumcision. If, if you were part of the covenant, then you would circumcise the male child like at eight days old or something like that. And, and the circumcision was always a sign of the covenant, that you were part of the covenant. But now here Paul said this. Paul said, listen, he said now, because of what Jesus did on the cross, he said circumcision is not, is not anything now. He said, whether you're circumcised or not circumcised. Why? Because Jesus took care of the law. The, what, what was the law? In other words, circumcision was part of the law. What was the law or part of the, that, whole, that whole system? He said, what was that whole system is dead to me now. Why? Because I'm a new creation. And he goes, and let's read this. Let's finish this and you'll see this. He says, for neither is circumcision now of any, of any importance or uncircumcision, but only a new creation, the result of a new birth and a new nature in Christ Jesus, the Messiah. Man, that's awesome. So Paul said the only thing that is important is that you're a new creation. It's the only thing that's important. He said circumcision or uncircumcision, it doesn't matter now. What is and, and, and basically what he was saying was this, we're not under the law anymore. So he said whether it's circumcision or uncircumcision, that doesn't matter. What matters is that, you're, that you have a relationship with Jesus and that you become a new creation. So, see, so here, so that's the second, the second uh, verse that we look at to say that, that, I, that, that I am now a new creature in Christ. Paul said it's not the law that matters anymore. What matters is that I am, that I am a new creature on the inside. Here's what that means. That means that your spirit, your spirit has been recreated with the very Spirit of God. Think about that. If you're a new creation, He created you now to where His Spirit on the inside, spiritually speaking, His Spirit can come live on the inside of our bodies. That is incredible. And so, so and also, here's what, it, here's what He says in, in 2 Corinthians 5. He says that you are, that's what you are. You are a new creation. You're not trying to be. You're not going to be one day. You're not struggling to become a new creation. Paul said that you are right now, as of right now, you are a new creature. In Christ, 
You are, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You know, so much of the time you hear people say, well, man, I'm trying so hard. Quit trying and just be. You know, the Bible, and I think, I think that's the reason that we're, and I don't know that the Bible causes this, but I think that's the very reason why we're called human beings and not human doings. Because we don't have to do something to become something. We are something. We, we be something. That's why we, that's why we can act the way we act. So we're human beings. Amen. Why? Because we be something. What, what we be? We be a new creature. That's not good English, but that's all right. You get the point. <laughs> One translation says it this way. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. That's the New Living Translation. What counts is that we've been transformed into a new creation. So, so in Christ, we are a new creature. Now, what you can do, here's what you can do with that. You can take that thought, you can take that one or two scriptures, and all day long today, every time something comes up, you can say to yourself, I'm a new creature. What The world is dead to me. I don't have to do that stuff anymore. Why? Because I'm a new creation on the inside. Just like Paul. Paul said the world was dead to him, and he was dead to the world. He, because he, the only thing that was important that he was a new creature. Well, that's the way I am. I'm a new creature. So those sins and those things that, were, that, were, that I used to do every day, I don't have to do them anymore because I'm a new creature. Yeah. Every time one of those temptations comes up, every time that thing shows its face, you can just say, I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation. I'm dead to that. See, that, that is, that's how you look in the perfect law of liberty and you don't forget who you are. See, because if you look at that, you read those Scriptures and then you go out and you act the same way you acted before, what happened was you forgot what manner of man you were. You were a hearer only and not a doer. But when you look in the law of liberty and you see yourself and you do what the Word says, that's when you say, nope, I'm a new creature. I don't do that anymore. And you know what? You may fail. You may, you may trip up every once in a while and do that thing again. But you know what you do? You shake it off and you say, but I'm a new creature. I, you know, that's not who I am. I'm a new creation. And you keep saying that. And you keep renewing your mind to that. And you keep saying, I am a new creation. Look at what, something else. Look at 2 Corinthians. We looked at 5.17. Look on down to 2 Corinthians 5. I should have had you look there when we were over there earlier. But look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21, now this was a huge one. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For now, for He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So, in, in Christ, right now where you're sitting, you are righteous. Now you might look at me and say, well, Pastor, you don't know what I did last night. And I would look back at you and say, it doesn't matter. He made you righteous. Now, it matters that, you, it matters that that's a lifestyle for you. But what, what that means is this. When you understand that you are righteous, and, and then every time something comes up, you can say, but in Christ, I am righteous. I don't do those things. I don't go to those places. I don't drink that. I don't smoke that. I don't snort that. I don't take that. I don't, I don't look at that. I don't go there. I don't... You know, I don't allow that to happen anymore. Why? Because I'm righteous. He made me to be righteous. You see, you renew your mind in that. 
And, and, and so he said, and it didn't say, and here, this, this again, notice that he didn't say that, that you might become righteous. He said that he made you righteous. You are as righteous today as you will ever be. You cannot grow in righteousness. He took your sin so He could make you righteous. You are righteous. And some people say, well, you don't know how I, what my lifestyle is. It doesn't matter. He made you righteous. You're just a righteous person doing unrighteous stuff. Amen. Let's, let's put up uh, the Passion Translation, Paul. Go back to like verse 17, I think. I had, a, I had my book with me that I had all these down and I, I didn't bring it. This is from the Passion Translation. Listen to this. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, that word enfolded is just another way of saying that if you're in Christ, okay? This is from the Passion. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Let's, we'll go on verse 18. And God has made all things new, and He's reconciled us to Himself, and He's given us the ministry of recon, reconciling others to God. In other words, it was through the Anointed One that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions, and He has entrusted to us the ministry of of opening the door of reconciliation to God. Now listen to these next two verses. This is awesome. We are ambassadors of the Anointed One who carry the message of Christ to the world, as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf, turn back to God and be reconciled to Him. And in verse 21, For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with Him. Now, that one says that we might become the righteousness of God, but notice that it's when we, when we get to be in Christ, we, we were made righteous. We became righteous the moment that we were in Christ. So see, so now, so you can take this, these Scriptures and you can walk, you can meditate on one of One of the lost arts of... of Scripture and of the Christian life, I believe, is meditation. A lot of times, people, when, when you hear the word meditation, the first thing you think about is like New Age. But guess what? The New Age people stole that from the Bible. Because we're supposed to take these Scriptures and meditate on them. What does meditate mean? Meditate means to run it over and over and over in our mind, to think about it. To meditate on it, uh, Brother Hagen used to Brother Hagen used to use the word mutter, and and he would he said you mutter it, you know you say it over and over. He said it's like a a cow chewing its cud, you know you you chew on it a while, then you swallow it, then you 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 bring it back up and you chew on it some more and you swallow it, then you bring it back up and you chew it some more and then you swallow it again. What what are you doing? You're getting all the nutrients out of it, and guess what? It'll never get old. You can chew on it every day and just one Scripture. This one Scripture that says that you're righteous. Man, that one Scripture could transform your life. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Now, I'm just showing you... I, I'm just taking... what I, All I did was I took, I, I took about six verses out of this page that I gave you. And I'm just showing you how to meditate on them, how to think about it, 
how to take this and open up the Word and say, what does the Word say? And, and look into the Word and find out who you are. So, so far, we've, we've seen, just in the two verses that I showed you, I've seen that you're a new creation and that you're righteous. That's two pretty good things. And you can meditate a lot on that. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Now, this is a big one. Listen to this. Ephesians 1, 3 says this. Ephesians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, that, that word past tense, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So notice that. In Christ, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. There is nothing that you will ever need that God has not already blessed you with. Why? Because you are in Christ. Everything God did in Christ, He did in you. Did you get that? Everything that God did in Christ, in other words, everything that He did for Jesus, everything He did in Him, He did in you. Why? Because you are in Christ. You Listen, Jesus and me, we're the same. In God's eyes. Now listen, I'm not being sacrilegious, I'm not belittling Jesus at all. Yes, He is part of the Godhead. He is, he is part of the Trinity. But the Bible tells me that when I got born again, God put me in Him. And when God sees me, He sees me just like He sees His Son. When Jesus was on the earth, He prayed that prayer. He said, God, He said, He said, reveal to them the love. He said, just like the love you have for me, He said, show them that you love me as much, or you love them as much as you love me. Think about that. That God loves you as much as He loves His Son. That's mind-blowing. Meditate on that for a while. That, that God loves you as much as He loves Jesus. That's incredible. Look at the Amplified here says this, May blessing, praise, laudation, and, and eulogy to, uh, be to our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual given by the Holy Spirit blessing in the heavenly realm. So, see, so we can say this. Every time, every time we come up in a situation, we can say, I'm blessed in Christ. I'm blessed to overcome this situation. In Christ, I am blessed with every blessing that I'll ever need to take care of this. So when you, when you get something, when you get a bill, you get a doctor's report, you get a, you get a phone call from your family, you get something and, and you get bad news, instead of falling apart, or like uh, Brother Andrew Womack says, instead of folding up like a $2 suitcase, you need to say, wait a minute, I'm blessed with every blessing in spiritual places, in, heavenly, in the heavenly places, in Christ. I'm in Him. God has blessed me with everything I'll need to overcome this situation. I am blessed. Amen. There's not one thing that I'm going through that I'm not spiritually equipped to handle. Yeah. Amen. Why? Because I'm in Christ, and because I'm in Him, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. Amen. Now, this is one of my favorite ones. Now, I'm just, and like I said, now you can take these scriptures and you can meditate on them and think about them and, and, and you could go all day and just, and just keep going over these over and over in your, in your heart with these things. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 
in verse 14. This is one of my favorite scriptures. 2 Corinthians 2.14. And we looked at this one a couple of weeks ago, I think. But, but he says this in 2 Corinthians 2.14. Paul says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and makes manifest the savor of His knowledge by us in every place. But no, did you see that? That we always, God always causes us to triumph. So what that says is this. If, you always, if you're always triumphant, what does that mean? You never lose. You're always victorious. And you might say, well, Pastor, my life sure don't look like it. Well, whether your life looks like it or not, you have to start confessing that that's who you are. I'm victorious. In the flesh, it may not look like I'm a winner, but the Bible says I'm always victorious in Christ, so I am always victorious. Amen. Change your mindset. Look at, look, at what, look at what you're saying. You know, if you, don't like, if you don't like where you are today, look at what you're saying. Amen. Now, a lot of people, when you come to church, when you're around, when you're around pastors or, or other people, you know, we all know that we all know the churchese, you know, the language, churchese, you know, like Chinese and... And, and all that, you know, well, everybody knows churches, you know, when, you, when you're standing in front of uh, people at church, you know what to say. But, but you, get, you get with somebody outside of church, give them about five minutes to get all that mess out of their system, and then they'll start talking like they, what they really talk like. And you'll start noticing and you'll start seeing that, that they don't really believe what they say in church. Because instead of saying I'm always victorious, you'll start hear people say you'll start hear people say, "Well, nothing ever goes right for me." Oh man, I, you know I can't catch a break any which way. You know if anything bad is going to happen to anybody, it's going to happen to me. Well, let me see if I can find that in here. Let's see. Is that what he said? But thanks be to God who in Christ always makes you miserable. No, that's not what he said. Always, always causes you to fail. Always causes you to mess up. No. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumph. Always, we're always victorious in Christ. When you're, when you are in Christ, you always win. Now, that doesn't always mean that everything's going to go perfect for you in the natural. But what it means is regardless of how it's going in the natural, you're always a victor. You never have to be defeated if you, if you just don't quit. You might get knocked down, but you're not knocked out. You might get pressed, but you're not, you're not completely shattered. You know, the only time you lose is when you give up. Why? Because you're always victorious. In Christ, you are victorious. Amen. Look at this one, man. These, I mean, these, these scriptures are, I mean, I know they're simple. And this is real simple stuff this morning, and, and I'm just reading Scripture and encouraging you. But if you will learn to do this, if you'll learn to take these Scriptures and just apply them to your life. You see, there's a lot of people that can quote a lot of Scripture, but, but very few people live it out. Yeah. You know, Stacy uh, always told me of a story. I never met this guy, but she always told me of a story of, of a friend of hers in high school that was an atheist. And in college, I think maybe, or high school and college. And, uh, and he was an atheist. But you know what? He could quote more Scripture than any Christian you come across. And he was an atheist. Because he used Scripture against Christians. You know why? Because a lot of Christians don't know Scripture. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, they, they, know their, they know their verse or two, but, you know, the, their pet verses, but they really don't know the Word. There's a big difference between being able to quote a verse and living a verse out. And that's exactly what we saw in James, James chapter 1, you know, that we've looked at the last couple of weeks, about being a doer of the Word and not just a hearer. Because when you're a doer of the Word, you're doing it. You're walking it out. You're living it. In other words, you start becoming victorious in your life. You start realizing you're righteous and you, and you start going away from the sin that, that, that had you caught up in the past and you start living a righteous life. You know, you, you realize that you're a new creation and you're dead to the world and the, the world no longer has an attraction to you. Amen. That's being a doer of the Word. If the world still attracts you and you're still out doing those things and you're, and you're doing the same things you did before you got born again, it's because you've only heard the Word and you're not being a doer of it. And James says, he says you look in the mirror and then you, you walk away and you forget what manner of man you were. You forget that you're righteous. You forget that you're, that you're perfect. You forget that you're a new creation. You forget that, that you're always victorious and that you're blessed in Christ. Amen. Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 1 and 2 says this. Now, boy, this is a big one because people, people will walk in this all the time and, and, and they'll, I mean, they'll you know, walk in condemnation all the time. Listen to this verse. In Romans, Romans 8, verses 1 and 2, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of spirit of life in Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Did you hear that? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. The mirror translation says it this way. Let me look this up. Romans, Romans 8 verse 1. The, the mirror translation says this. Now, the decisive conclusion is this. In Christ, every bit of condemning evidence against us is canceled. Isn't that awesome? Every bit of condemning evidence against us is canceled. The law of the Spirit of life is a liberating force to the life in Christ. This leaves me with no obligation to the law of sin and death. Spirit has superseded the sin in slave senses as the principal law of our lives. Man, I like, I love that. Every bit of condemning evidence against us is canceled. There's no condemnation. Well, Pastor, what happens if I, if I do slip up and do something I shouldn't do? Well, that's the reason the Bible tells us 1 John 1, 9. He says, is there for us. It says that, you know, if we do mess up, that He's willing and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of unrighteousness. Notice He didn't say that He makes us righteous again. What did, we'll turn over there. Look at 1 John 1. I didn't have this one down, but, but since we talked about it. 1 John, <clears throat> 1 John 1, 9. He says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what, he, what he's saying is this, is that note, he did not say that he makes us righteous again. It said he just washes off the unrighteous. 
Is a picture, uh, Roland or somebody, Vincent, when I ask how God sees us, he says he sees us in a white robe. Right? Picture that white robe as being righteousness. And every one of us, we put on that robe when we get born again. So now we got this, this pearly white robe. I mean, and it's, it's perfectly white, brilliantly white. And we put that robe on. Well, then we miss the mark and we mess up and we do something we shouldn't do. And all of a sudden, when you look down, you've got spots all over your robe. And it's filthy and it's dirty. But when we go to God and we talk to God, and, we, and, and, and here's what it means to confess. To confess just means to agree. To agree with God. We just agree with God. God, I messed up. I need, I need, I need you to help me here. Now, here's the thing about God. God doesn't count our sins against us. When you got born again, your sins were forgiven from start to finish. You never, need, you never need to ask God to forgive you of your sins so that He will forgive you. The reason we, the reason we repent is because it helps us. It cleanses our consciousness so that we can go before Him boldly. You see, because if, if you, if sin, if sin could, if you had to repent of your sin every time you missed the mark and God had to forgive you of every sin you did, then that means Jesus would have to come back and die every time you sinned. Because the price he paid for sin wouldn't have been good enough. But the Bible says he paid for sin once. Once and for all. The price that he paid was good enough to cleanse you from start to finish. And, and so the repentance is for us, it's not for Him. Amen. There's a lot you can say about that. But, but, uh, but, but here in Romans 2 it says we're free. One translation says it this way, There is no sentence of guilt against those who are in Christ. You're free. There's boldness in Christ. Look at uh, Colossians 2. We'll finish with this one, Colossians 2. And th- I love this one. This one says... That we are complete in Him. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. And then I want to show you one thing on the, on the back of that page and we'll finish up for today. Colossians 2, verse 9 and 10. <clears throat> mm, man, what a scripture. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says this, For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, if, if He stopped right there, we would say, well, yeah, but that's, that's Jesus. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But then look at verse number 10. And you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. The Amplified says it this way, For in Him the, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of the divine nature. And verse 10 says, And you are in Him, you're made full and having come to fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you reach full spiritual stature. And He is the head of all rule and authority of every angelic principality and power. Notice that. He says, but in you, in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead. So you're complete in Him. You're complete. There's nothing missing, nothing broken. Now see, some, some of you have, some of you see scriptures like this and you think, you think, man, there's no way that can be true. 
You know, I just don't see that. I don't understand that. Well, that's why you've got to meditate on it. You've got to think about it. You've got to read that Scripture over and over. And every time an opportunity comes up, you, you just say, no, I'm complete in Him. You get a feeling of, you get a feeling of, 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 of lack, and then you stop and say, nope, I'm complete in Christ. You know, you get a feeling of condemnation, you start something, you know, the enemy starts condemning you, then you can stop and say, whoa, 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 there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, to those that walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. Now, if you're walking after the flesh, then you're opening yourself up for condemnation. Right? I mean, he didn't say, that. that's not a Scripture. None of these Scriptures are licensed for you to live any which way you want to live with there, with, with there not being any consequences. I haven't said that one time. What I have said is this. When you live in Christ, and when you understand who you are in Christ, then that's when the revelation of, of walking that out starts to become real in your life. And you'll be able to start walking that out step by step. You'll be able to start, to start realizing, that's who I am. That's what I can do. That's what I have. Why? Because I'm in Christ. It doesn't have anything to do with you. It has everything to do with Him. It's not your works. It's not your ability. It's not your righteousness. It's not your holiness. It's not your ability or anything like that. Everything, all, everything we have has to do because of Him. We're complete in Him. We're righteous in Him. We, 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 we are victorious in Him. Notice all these Scriptures I've, I've quoted to you today are in Him Scriptures. Outside of Him, yeah, you're a mess. But in Him, you're victorious. Mark Hankins says it this way. He says, you look a whole lot better in Him than out of Him. So stay in Him. Amen. So, so I printed all these up last night. I topped all this up and just copied it from Brother Hagin's little e-book or little mini-book, I mean, from, from in Him. So all these Scriptures will help you. You can study them. You can look them all up. And you can meditate on them. You can, you can look at it and you can read each one of them. They'll tell you who you are, what you have, what you can do. And, uh, and we'll, we'll probably come back to this some and look at these and, and talk about them a little bit. But, but, so I did all the work for you, okay? Now, you can flip this over. And this is one of my favorite things. And I've, I've passed this out many times here. Um, and I actually did the work for you on this a little bit too. Because these are, these are the scriptures or the prayers that Paul prayed. And in Ephesians 1, Colossians 1, and Ephesians 3. And Paul prayed these prayers for the churches at Ephesus and, and Colossae. And, um, and Paul prayed these things. And as he was praying them, he was praying them for the church, for the churches there. The, you know, the, the epistles that Paul wrote to the churches, although he wrote them to the churches of that day... These epistles are just as relevant for us as it was for them. And so the prayers that Paul prayed for those churches, they'll work for you and me just like they worked for that church. Now, what I've done, and Brother Hagin taught us this. Brother Hagin said when he pastored a church, um, he did this for many years. And he said, as a matter of fact, he would lay his Bible. He, he lived in the parsonage beside the church, you know, when, when he was pastoring churches. And he would, lay, he would keep his Bible on the altar, and he would keep it open to Ephesians 1 and Colossians 1. And every time he walked through the sanctuary, he would stop and he would, he would read these prayers. And he said for the longest time, he prayed them just for himself. You know, he would pray them over himself. And he said then one day the Lord showed him that uh, he was praying for his brother, who, who wasn't saved at the time. 
And he said that he was praying and asking the Lord, how can I pray for him? And, and the Lord told him, he said, well, put his name in there where you've been putting your name. He said, put his name in those prayers. So Brother Hagin said that he started praying these prayers for his brother. And he said his brother was just a total heathen. Said he was just a, said he was just, you know, you know, he said he didn't, he didn't know whether he'd ever get saved or not. But Brother Hagin said that after he started praying these prayers, he said seven days later, Dub, Dub was his brother's name. He said seven days later, Dub gave his life to the Lord. You know, so he said that these works, so he realized that he could pray these for other people. So he started praying this for his family, for his church family, for people that needed to be born again and things like that. So, so what, so what this is here, if you read it from the scripture, when Paul prayed, Paul would, Paul would say things like, you know, I pray that you would get the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Well, what I've done in this scripture is I've changed all of those I think I went through, I changed a couple again last night as I redid it. I missed a couple. But, but I've changed it to where you can pray this prayer for you personally. And for example, we'll just read a little bit of the first here. In Ephesians 1, Paul said this. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that He may grant me. If you notice, me is in bold and in italics. You know, in the Scripture, it says that he, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom. So Paul was praying that for the church. But what I did here, I changed, I took that word you and put me in there so you can just read this as a prayer, so you can pray it for yourself. If you're praying it for somebody else where that word me is in there, if I'm praying it for Donnie, if, I, if I'm, if, you know, because a lot of times, to be honest with you, I'll pray this prayer over all of y'all. I'll call y'all's name. If I don't know how to pray for you, a lot of times I'll just pull this paper out and I'll just read it. And if you're on my heart, I'll put your name in here. I mean, I've done that many, for years I've done that. And I would pray, you know, Father, I pray that you would grant Donnie a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into the mysteries and secrets. Now, this is from the Amplified version. Uh, just, you know, like I said, I just took it from the Amplified because I like some of the language of it. And it, it brings it out. But, but anyway, so I did the work for you in the fact that, that I changed all those pronouns to where you could read this as a prayer, praying it for yourself. And I highlighted and, and, and italicized everywhere I made a change. And, and you can see that. And then if you're praying it for somebody else, you can, you can put their name in there. And, and you can pray these prayers. I, here's what I encourage you to do. As we enter 2020, I, I mean, I challenge you. I'll challenge you to do this. I challenge you to pray these prayers. Let's say, for, let's just say for the month of January, in your devotion time, I, I, you know, you can read this. You can read this page in about three minutes. I timed myself last night reading it, and and not getting caught up, not really stopping and and you know and, and meditating on it, but just starting at the top and just reading it. You can read it in under three minutes. Now, if you're a faster reader, you might be able to read it faster. It might take you five minutes if you're a slower reader. Okay. But, but what I'm saying is this. If you'll take this page and read this every day, pray these prayers every day for a month, for the month of January in 2020, and let's just see what difference it makes in our lives. Now, I can't make you do it. I can only recommend it. I can challenge you. But as a church, I would love for all of us for the month of January just to pray these prayers for ourselves. And if you, want, if you have extra time and or want to go over, over, over and above that, if you have family you're praying for, you may have sons and daughters or, or brothers and sisters or family or just friends or co-workers, people that you love. If, if you have somebody that's in, that's in dire need of Jesus and need Him, put their name in here. Pray this. Take another five minutes and pray this for them. 
Everywhere it says me or my or I or something like that, you put their name in there. And keep a record of it. Keep a record of it when you pray for them. And see if God doesn't change, see if God doesn't do something radical in their life. Amen. I think that's a good challenge. So I, I challenge you to do that for in 2020, in the month of January. And we'll talk about it. I'll ask you if you've read your prayers, you know, for the month of January. But you can take all three of those. Ephesians 1, Colossians 16 through 23, Colossians 1, 9 through 14, and Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. And then for more study, you can, you can look up the scriptures on the back and it'll be a blessing to you. Listen, what I talked to you today was just in Him realities. Just simply opening the Word, put that, that picture of that, that line or that cat looking in the mirror and seeing that line. If you will do these things, if you will, if you will open up His Word and take His Word and start meditating on it, start seeing who you are, find yourself in the Word, then when you look in the mirror, you, you may not recognize it the first day, you may not recognize it the second day, the first week, the second week, maybe even the first month. But I promise you, if you will open up His Word daily, pray daily, take His Word and get in His Word, consume it, think about it, write it down. Write, if, if a verse speaks to you, write that verse out and just meditate on it all day long. Every time you get a chance, pull it out and read it. You know, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm made righteous. I'm, I have vic- I'm always victorious in, in Christ Jesus. And just meditate on those verses. And before you know it, you'll start seeing yourself how? You'll start seeing yourself the way God sees you. And when you start seeing yourself the way God sees you, then the clarity will come. The vision, the things God has for you, the things He wants for you to do, the the path that He has laid out before you, it will become more and more clear to you as you start seeing yourself the way God sees you. And, and very simply, how does God see you like this? The prayers, listen, what did Paul pray? When you read this, if I had time, I, just for the sake of time, I don't. But, but if, if you read these prayers, and when you, when you take the whole, the whole crux of what Paul was trying to say here, what Paul was trying to say was this, Father, let them see you the way you see them. Lord, let them have a spirit of wisdom and understanding. Let them see what your plan is. Let them, let them understand the power they have on the inside of them. Let them understand, you know, who they are. That's what these prayers are. These prayers are Paul saying, God, what they already have, show it to them. And when we pray it, and when we pray it for ourselves, when we pray it for others, then that's what will happen to us too. The reality of, of who we are in Christ, in Him, in Christ, you know, through Christ, by Him, all these realities, all these scriptures, it'll become a reality, and we'll start seeing ourselves the way God sees us. That's our goal in 2020: to see with clarity, to see ourselves the way God sees us, and this is how we do that. Amen. And we're going to be talking a lot more about it in the weeks to come. Amen. Let me pray for you. Let's bow our heads. You know, the the first the first and most important thing in all of this is, of course, that we have a relationship with Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know Him as your personal Savior, the first step of seeing yourself the way He sees you is to be born again. So if, if you're here today and you're not born again, you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, there's no greater day than today that, to give your life to Him. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my Savior. Would you just lift your hand up? I just, I just want to see your hand. I, I'll, I'll love on you. I'll pray for you. Anybody at all. 
All right, I don't see any hands. Let's stand to our feet and y'all can look up and look at me. If you have if you have a need of any type, if you'd like Stacy and I to pray for you, we would love to be able to pray with you, agree with you, uh, just jump right in and, and and just agree with you and who you are in Christ and and uh, what He's done for you. But if you have a need of any any kind, I'd, I'd like to invite you to come down, Stacy and I'd love to be able to pray for you. Remember too, for those of you that may have come in a little bit later, uh, we we took the things we took the things off the cross. From last year, and we're opening it back up and saying, if you have a need, a prayer request, or something you want to see God do for you in 2020, we encourage you to come and put it on the cross. We'll be praying over that, and you know, all this year, uh, I'm believing that we're going to see more and more of those things we put up there come to pass. Amen. Remember, be praying for our kids. They're they're going on their way. All the youth and uh, young adults. There, we got 20 uh, 20, fo- 20 of them on the way to Cleveland, Tennessee, going to the winter ramp. Uh, Karen Wheaton and her conference, and I believe we're just believing it's going to be a, just a uh, outstanding event for them, and God's going to show up in a big way. Uh, so be praying for them, and uh, they'll be through. They'll be uh, getting there about three o'clock this afternoon, and then uh, be coming back home Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening. So uh, so keep that in mind. Oh, and not, and saying that too, we will have church Wednesday night. It's January first, uh, so I couldn't think of any better way to start the new year than having church. So. For all my Wednesday night folks, we encourage you to encourage all, all of you to come out. But but uh, Wednesday night at seven, there will not be youth services because they'll just be getting back from Cleveland. But uh, but the adults will be meeting and and we'll have child care for the for the kids. So um, so keep that in mind. So God bless you guys. We love you. I pray you have a great week.